Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll-Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence ours and theirs. Okay, so let's dive in with one of the biggest questions we both get from parents all the time, which is, when is my daughter going to get her period? If you had a dollar for every time you were asked that question, you would be able to buy a small island somewhere. (laughs) You where and Johnny would, Depp. Where I would not need to answer that question anymore. <laughs> it's a great question. And we're going to start before we answer that fabulous question mm. with our own personal answers to that question. Vanessa, how old were you when you got your period for the first time? I was the actual exact average age of when a female gets her period. I was 12 years, 10 months. So like a month or two older than the average age. It was April Fool's Day. (laughs) I had gone to my modern dance class and was in pearl pink footless tights and a leotard, which I had borrowed from a friend at a sleepover. And I went, I got home and I went to change out of my tights and leotard. And lo and behold, there was sort of a dark brown, reddish goop in my, in the crotch of my tights. And I was like, of course, I got my period on April Fool's Day. I think my parents were away. I think there was a babysitter staying with us. And I don't remember what I did after that. I know that the the next time I got my period or two months later, it was June and I wanted to go swimming and I had an older sister and there were tampons in the cabinet. And so I just sort of took out a tampon and put it in. But yeah, so April Fool's Day, 12 years, 10 months, it did not feel like a big deal. I didn't feel like I was waiting to get it. And I didn't feel like I was the only one who had it when I did get it. So how old were you? I think I'm going to beat your story because <laughs> it was my 14th birthday. Oh, boy. April 9th, 1984. It was the night of the Academy Awards. I live in L.A. And that was a thing, right? It was sort right. of a big, big deal. Everyone watched the Academy Awards. It was the first time my newly separated parents 
were coming back together under one roof. They were trying like a reconciliation date night on my birthday, sort of. And I was there with my three brothers and my parents who were very appropriately focused on other things. And Shirley MacLaine is going up to the stage to accept her Oscar for Terms of Endearment. By the way, I cannot tell you one other Oscar winner in history. Ever. Ever. But I can tell you that Shirley MacLaine was winning her Oscar, and I was wearing, it must have been, the Olympics must have been 1984 because- Oh, yeah, in I, L.A. In L.A., that's right, because I was wearing my brand new, got it for my birthday, white sweatsuit. Oh, my God. With USA written across <gasps> the chest. And I thought, huh, something weird is happening. I have three brothers. There was no older sister. There were no tampons in any cabinet that I knew of. I mean, I'm sure my mom had something somewhere, but um, she was she was a little bit preoccupied with some other stuff. Yeah. You know, and I went to the bathroom and went, huh, well, I'm 14. Everyone else seems to have gotten their period. So I knew what it was, but I was a little at a loss as to what to do. Do you remember if you were like kind of waiting, like wondering when you were going to get your period and why it hadn't come yet? As I have told you before, and I will tell you many times again, the most common phrase uttered in my house was, you're so flat, the walls are jealous. And therefore, I did not anticipate any of this happening anytime soon. It was, I was on the later side, but I wasn't the last. Um, and so it would come at some point. I just I just didn't know when. And you weren't in a hurry. You weren't feeling stressed or anxious about it. No, I had so much else going on. You know, my parents had just split up. Like there were other stressors. This had fallen so low on my list. It was just, it, it was sort of the moment it all happened. I went, ah, oh, this is perfect. You know, this is, right. I, okay, here we go. So you were aware at the time of how absurd it was that that was the moment you got your period? It was absurd. It couldn't have gotten any more absurd if you had scripted it. It couldn't. I mean, it sounds like a bad movie, you know, the whole thing. There's something deeply cinematic about it. There's really the white tracks. <laughs> I know, really I'm dying. Like, you know, that I'm was dying. The, the piece de resistance was my white tracksuit. So, yeah. So that's when we got them. But, you know, whenever people ask me, when is my daughter going to get her period, Really, my very first answer and the most truthful answer is I have no idea. Right. I do not know. And we can walk through and we should walk through some of the signs and some of the sort of the order of operations of what happens before a period so most people can anticipate it. But at the end of the day, the body is going to do what the body is going to do and there is no predicting. There is just no predicting. So let's talk about what some of those signs are and what are red herrings and what are true signs? I love when people talk about red herrings and periods. I just find oh, it so God, funny. I didn't even realize. I mean, yes. pun not intended, but yes. pun embraced. Mm. Um, <laughs> and yeah, kind of what is, because we have these like cultural assumptions yeah. of what is going to tell us that a girl's going to get her period versus like what yeah. you medically and scientifically have seen and, yeah. and experienced. So t talk us through a little bit of that. Okay. Well, let's throw out some medical lingo for a sec just mm -hmm. to level the playing field. So if you hear these terms, they now make sense to you. Menarche is the first period. So that's the, the absolute word. first period. The absolute first, menarche, which until this very moment, I never realized had the word men at the beginning, which I find very funny. But, you know, that's, of course, the root word for all of this. And it's not meant to be man. It's meant to be month, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. And so menarche is the very first period. Your menstrual cycle is the time from one period to another, which for many people becomes regular. For some people, never really becomes that regular. And for most girls at the beginning of having a period is not regular at all. So there's nothing cyclic about a menstrual cycle at the very beginning for a very large number of girls. And how long, like what's the range of days for their Ooh, cycle. Months. I mean, there's a, so I've had 
kids in my practice who get their period every two weeks to start, mm-hmm. which is highly annoying. Yeah, that's super annoying. <laughs> I've had kids who get a period, then three months later get a period, then six months later get a period, then two weeks later get a period. Mm-hmm. It's just all over the map. There is no rhyme or reason to it. I have had kids who from day one, you can set a clock to it. That was they me. They are so regular. Yeah, that was yeah. me. I was regular from yeah. like the first time yeah. I got my period. So it's really different for everyone. But what tends to be fairly similar is the duration of a period. So when someone says, when did you get your period? They're asking, when was the first day of your last period? Mm-hmm. Because a period can last anywhere from three to seven or eight days. Right. For younger girls, it is almost always on the longer end. And there are definitely girls who have nine and 10 and 11 day periods. Why is that? Well, I mean, some of it is just the period itself. So let's get into a little bit of the anatomy. Right. A period is just the shedding of the uterine lining. So the uterus is the organ that sits inside your lower abdomen pelvis area below your belly button. If you clench your fist, it's about the size of your clenched fist. Mm -hmm. And it sits down low in the pelvis. And inside it, sort of inside your clenched fist, there's a lining. It's a hollow organ. And the lining is made of bloody tissue. And that bloody tissue is built up over the course of a few weeks in order to potentially be able to receive a fertilized egg and have a nice nutritional environment for that fertilized egg to implant and to eventually start to grow into a fetus. Okay, that's sort of the the whole plan for the uterus is every single cycle you are preparing for a potential pregnancy. When the uterine lining gets too old and its nutritional value starts to go down, it needs to be shed and a new one is built up. Right. And it's the shedding of the uterine lining that is a menstrual cycle. And that is why when teaching about menstrual cycles and about periods, one of the things that both you and I do all the time is we talk about how it's bleeding that's not like any other bleeding right. we've ever had, right. right? It's thick clots and sometimes looks brown and sometimes looks red and sometimes, and it all has to do with the fact that it's tissue that's lining the inside of the uterus. Well, and we like to tell kids because they get worried, like it's not bleeding like you cut your arm bleeding. It's that's just... Right things that are leaving your body. And one of the things, one of our, Sue Steinberg, one of our health and sex educators does this kind of math equation and she, because it's it's water and it's discharge and it's blood and it's tissue. So she'll say to the girls, you know, what color is water? And they'll say clear. And they'll say, what color is vaginal discharge? And you and I are going to get back to vaginal discharge in a second. What color is vaginal discharge? White. What color is blood? Red. Great. So if you add all those up, what color will that be? Red. And she'll reassure them because they really worry that they are bleeding out as opposed to sloughing off. That's right. On the other hand, though, you described having this amazing outfit that you were modern dancing in. (laughs) And you, you know, went to... It was pretty great. Right. And I like, I I think you probably had a waist strap and maybe shoulder pads. (laughs) And you took it off. And what did you find with that first period? You found dark brown. Uh, Actually, the most common thing for kids to say is that they think they've pooped their in their pants. pants. Right. And why is it brown, right? Well, it's brown because the bloody tissue has been exposed to oxygen, has been oxidized. Um, and that's sort of what happens to metal that gets rusty. It gets oxidized. Um, and so that when the tissue first sloughs off from the uterine lining and it gets, and it sits there and the body doesn't quite know how to expel it quickly enough, it sometimes sits there and collects a little bit and oxygen comes in and just tinges it brown over time. So it is completely normal for not just girls for their first period to have these brown bits of tissue come out. But most women at the end of their period will notice that the period has gone from red to brown. Um, The reason why teenage, tween and teen periods tend to last longer than adult female periods, there are a lot of reasons, actually. One is that the the hormonal fluctuations are different in young bodies. Um, Another is that the lining that gets built up early on is a bit different than in older bodies. A third reason is that what I would call a period and what my daughter would call a period are different. So I would say, you know, a period lasted for three days and then I had spotting for two days where my daughter might say, oh, my period went on for a week and a half. And we may mean the same thing. 
right? Uh, because this idea of spotting, which is just occasional bleeding, it makes it seem like the duration of the period is endless when it is not always. But there are definitely young girls who have periods that last a whole lot, like true periods that last a whole lot longer. I mean, I know, so I also, on the flip side, I know someone who got her period and then didn't get it again for 18 months. Yeah. And you tend to say that a female's period from the first period, it will take a couple of years to regulate, if it's going to regulate at all? Um, yes and no. So I do use that couple of year thing, but usually what I use it in reference to is height. So mm. you were normal. For, normal. You, you are normal. Not really, but that's okay. <laughs> I've learned to accept You were normal from day one. <laughs> you were regular from day one. Many girls are not, but you can often predict how much more growth, height growth, a girl has by measuring from the beginning of regular periods, you can march out two years. Usually, the bones continue to grow for two more years past the onset of regular periods. So my guess is that by the time you turned 15, you had reached your adult height. Yeah, I think right? that's right. Whereas I had no regular period all the way through high school. And in college, I distinctly remember one morning hitting my head on the shower head huh. that I, I continued to grow. I graduated high school about five, four-ish, and I grew at least a couple of inches in college. Oh, that's so um, interesting. So uh, all bodies do it differently, but that's a, that's a good guesstimate. Vanessa... We literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box, and I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky. And I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. <laughs> and it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. 
Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal, and even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter, and fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So if I'm a parent and I'm either wondering or worrying when, you know, we're approaching summer, we're thinking about our girls going to go off to camp and get their periods, or they're starting to have sleepovers again now that they're able to get vaccinated. And I want to be prepared. I want to, maybe she's asking me, when am I going to get my period? When am I going to get my period? Um, Or she might be asking it like this, oh God, when am I going to get my period? Right. There's all different ways that question can go. What are the conversations we want to be having with our girls? What are the signs we want to be looking for? What are what do we want to be asking them about? In Can you throw in like five more questions right. there? So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna create a, a bulleted list. Okay, so the first, it, let me back up. I just I rely on your memory. Um, let me back up. So that's so good that you do. Yes, because I don't. I don't even know what day or year it is. <laughs> let's be brutally honest. Um, Should we start with? What do they need to be prepared with? And then we can go to what are the signs that it may be imminent? Yeah, be helpful? let's start with that. I mean, we are going to do probably a separate episode where we go in deep. With preparation With preparation tools, tools yes. and So products. let's get that one just kind of off the table. Let's yes. do that one at 30,000 feet yes. for a second. Agreed. Because then we'll go deep. Okay. So if your child has had any sort of body education in school at all, by fifth or sixth grade, most kids have watched a video, certainly most girls. I hope most schools are starting to not ungender this and mix mm. the, the genders in the classroom, but certainly most girls have seen a video or heard a little bit about getting their period. And so most girls by fifth or sixth grade are asking for a little kit to carry around. It's an interesting moment to recognize the average age of getting a period is about 12 and a half mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's significant because girls are going into puberty much younger than they ever did before, but they're not getting their period much younger. But 12 and a half, that's a sixth grader. So, and that's average, which means 50% of all girls have gotten their period before that, which means if you haven't started to have these conversations well before that, there's about a 50-50 chance that your child is going to be caught sort of empty-handed when she gets her period, if she gets it when not at home. So that's a good, sort of a good thing to file away in your and mind. And also right? caveat, we don't know if the pandemic reality has or will impact the age at which no. girls are getting their period. And frankly, we should do a whole episode on that because there is so much drama and so much talk about how COVID is impacting menstrual cycles, how is COVID vaccine, I'm asking that question, I am not making that statement, yeah. is COVID vaccine impacting menstrual cycles? And there's a lot of talk about that. So that's a huge... Um, we'll revisit growing. that when we have more more data that's and right. more information. That's right. So I always suggest to parents of girls who have the organs that will result in having a period. So a girl who has a uterus needs to then have some pads and a change of underwear on hand in a backpack or in a purse or in a bag, just at the ready. A lot of kids love to have that starting around age 11. They have heard enough about there's always oh, that even, girl, right? Even earlier. I yes. mean, we have girls who at 
nine and maybe they're carrying it around for two years. Yes. And I love that. The younger, the more prepared. But um, sometimes you have kids who are a bit anxious about yes. it. And if and and so when we get into what are the signs of it's about to come, you can use those and you can kind of triangulate and go, okay, I see some of the signs mm-hmm. and therefore I'm going to start packing the little bag with her and make sure she has. And it's a change of underwear with permission to, you can throw away the underwear that has the brown bloody mess in it yes. if you're in a situation where you cannot wash that underwear. I, threw, I threw away the pink pearlescent right. footless tights. Right. And yes. that is, I and I give you permission to, Thank you. to Retro- do that retroactively active. because I think some kids feel very anxious about what to do with the evidence. At home, I teach every single girl, soap and water is amazing yep. to get blood out and all girls should start to learn how to wash underwear. You don't throw away every pair of underwear. And there's now period underwear, which we'll get into in other episodes. It's amazing, but that you have to learn how to Mm -hmm. wash. So, But if you're, you know, at a friend's house for a sleepover and you really literally don't know what to do, I give you permission. You may throw away that underwear. And when you pack that period, we should call it the puberty podcast period pack. It will solve (laughs) all of our alliteration needs in one foul swoop. I always say one foul swoop, but it's actually one fell swoop. Yes. Yes. That was a very funny. um, Yes. But the PPPPP. Um, (laughs) So make sure you don't just pack it for your child. You actually go through what you've put in the period pack and show your kid how to use them. Yes. And your child may have some strong opinions about what goes in there. So um, I know kids who want an extra pair of shorts in there. Leggings. Right, whatever. So tampons are are usually at a a later step. Yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes it's day two and sometimes it's year two and sometimes it's decade two and it's going to be different for everyone, but just pads to start. Yeah, I mean, most girls I know, unless they have older sisters who are kind of talking them through it are not immediately comfortable using tampons. And some families are not comfortable having their daughters use tampons. And so everyone is going to make that decision for their own family based on their their culture and their background. And let's say you've messed up as a parent and you have just not done this yet and whatever right? Um, a lot of us mess up in a lot of ways and we just haven't, it didn't, it didn't even cross our radar. Um, our girls know, and you can check in with them and make sure they know, you can just take toilet paper and create your own improvised pad right, right. to put into your underwear. So what you do, and I, I actually teach this in, in a class with kids, um, you take a long piece of toilet paper, you fold it in half, you fold it in half again, you fold it in half again until it will fit as sort of a pad-shaped little silo in your underpants and you just improvise and you just I've get totally through. I've totally done that. I've totally 100%. done that. hundred percent. So, you know, it's not such a parent fail. You've just taught your child resilience. It's all good. And I'm, so we, I mean, we encourage people to talk to their daughters ahead of getting their periods yes. because as we've talked about in, in other episodes, people have their puberty stories. And a lot of puberty stories we hear from females is having gotten their periods and not feeling prepared and how hard that was. Yes. The flip side, the upside of that is that many of those women say, I want it to be different for my own child. And so they are sure to prepare their daughters. But if you haven't yet, and you're going to tell us about some of the signs that people should be aware of, but if you haven't yet, for those of you listening, you can say, hey, I listened to these two women. It's called the Puberty Podcast. And they were talking about like preparing for when girls are going to get their periods. And I just thought, you know what? That's something you and I should do together. And you can make it fun. You can go to Dwayne Reed or Walgreens or you can go on Amazon or whatever you want and make it inclusive rather than this sort of mysterious thing. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. You know, in fact, there's no secret conversation that happens with parents that shouldn't include kids about all this body stuff. So if you've got the child who's really not going to take it from you, have them listen to this podcast Mm -hmm. about the things they can do to prepare. Sometimes that feels bad to the parent because they want to be part of the process. But there are some kids who this is is sort of a fiercely independent step and they want to go buy the pads and order the period underwear and do the this and do the that. And that's great. That's it, it works for everyone. But but so how do you how do you know if you've got a kid who's even in the ballpark of getting her period, right? And I do wanna I just wanna add one thing, which is if you have males living in your house, 
like, let them see how you put on a pad. Let them see, not, you know, while you're standing there naked in your bathroom, but show them, you know, out on a pair of underwear, show them how it works, show them the mechanics. I showed my my boys the engineering of a tampon and they were like, oh, that's so cool. And I'm so glad that I actually can see how that works because it was like a total mystery to them. TikTok is an amazing venue mm-hmm. for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most fascinating trends I saw recently was a trend where girls were showing their boyfriends how tampons mm-hmm. work by slipping tampons into water bottles and showing how they can expand and how they hold liquid. And it's just an amazing thing. I think there's so much more cultural acceptance for conversation around all of this that when we were growing up, what might have been a little taboo for right. someone who is not going to get a period is no longer taboo. So we've taken many, many, many strides forward to get there. Um, there's nothing taboo about having a period. Right. There's nothing gross. There's nothing dirty. There's nothing negative. And so why should we not fold our boys into the conversation? It's totally great. agree. So, and, and I have to say, as a side note, one of my favorite moments in teaching in the classroom about periods in particular is that when, when I teach about boy puberty and girl puberty, I'm amazed that the most common response I get from boys when they leave the class is, I'm so glad I'm not a girl, um, or I don't, I'm so glad I don't have girl physiology. Mm. And what I get from the girls is, I'm so glad I don't have boy physiology, mm. that everyone seems to like knowledge. They are hungry for knowledge. And once they have the knowledge, they're fine with what's going to happen to their body. I think it's an interesting moment to pause and talk about the gender spectrum for a second. Yeah. Um, Because I'm very careful to talk about what body parts you're born with and then what gender you identify with. This is tricky. And there's a lot written about this at a point when kids are often going through these transformative changes and particularly at the average age where girls get periods, that is a very common age for kids to identify gender dysphoria. And it's really important to be extraordinarily sensitive to kids who are born with physiology, with body parts that are going to do one thing when their gender identity is in opposition to that. And so That is one of the many reasons why I think gendering puberty is a mistake. Uh, I think every gender should learn about what happens to different bodies as a result of different hormones in different environments, period, full stop. It It does not define, though, who the child is. And so let's all take a moment to be really sensitive to the experience that kids are having when their gender identity and their internal organs don't match up. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think culturally now I hear people refer to it as people who menstruate, people who get periods, right? That's an inclusive way of saying it. I will push back on one point, which is that I think there are times when kids of different genders need a space with other people who identify in that gender to raise questions and, and bring up kind of more complex or sensitive topics because there are things that they're just not going to bring up in a mixed gender setting. I I think that's for sure. I just, and and it's not that I think all of it has to be taught mixed gender, but I think we have siloed this sort of the concept of puberty teaching for so long and I'm watching the the culture and it's not being siloed quite as much anymore. And I think that's very progressive. I I agree. That to me is a really great thing. And and, um, I have kids who have transitioned, who edit my books and who give me feedback about what it's like to read a book about growing up as a girl or growing up as a boy when they have transitioned. Mm-hmm. And it so that is some of the most robust feedback I get on my writing uh, is from those kids who have very unique experiences or maybe not so unique experiences. And when you say transition, you mean transition from one yes. gender to another. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some some of the most insightful um, comments I've ever gotten are from kids who have lived in a body that doesn't feel like their body and mm. their body's going to do what their body's going to do. And, and that is hopefully as our culture continues to broaden the conversation and include everyone, hopefully those voices become even louder because we have so much to learn from people who experience puberty in this way. Yeah. But let's go back to some of the signs that a okay. period's coming. Because I think 
it really helps parents know when they have to step it up. Right. So the most common first signs of puberty in girls are mood swings and breast budding. And breast budding is when you have underneath the nipples, it looks like a stack of three or four dimes has suddenly just popped up. It's a very tender capsule mm-hmm. right under the nipple. And then the breasts develop very slowly, sometimes over months, sometimes over years, and they grow. And it's And it's normal for them to come and go. Like sometimes there's signs of budding in breasts and sometimes they look smaller and one side may develop and not the other side. Yeah. Buds usually don't disappear. Once a bud is there, it's there. Um, the breast tissue itself definitely shifts shape and size constantly as, you know, we as women know that right. like week in and week out, we may wear different bra sizes, right? A hundred percent, it's normal for one breast bud to come up before another. Probably the most common worry associated with that is breast cancer. Right. Girls feel a lump on one side and they think there's something really wrong with them. So to all parents who are dealing with that, that is very typical. It's actually more typical for one to pop up first than it is for them to pop up perfectly synchronously. So when you start to see breast growth, that's an early sign that, okay, the body could have a period at some point soon. I don't think I've ever seen a girl get a period with no breast growth. Um, And it makes sense. Estrogen is the hormone that tells the breasts to grow. Estrogen is also the hormone that is sort of the most central player in the menstrual cycle. It's estrogen, progesterone, LH, and FSH. Those are the four hormones that rule the menstrual cycle. And so it's really hard to imagine a scenario in which a body is not responsive to estrogen at the breast level, but is responsive at the ovarian level, which is what's happening with menstruation. So that's why you almost always see, but you don't necessarily have full adult breasts when you get your period. You just have some breast growth. And most girls, um, (laughs) there's this two-page spread in the care and keeping of you that um, girls can stage their Mm -hmm. breast growth. Uh, It's a very famous two-page spread. And I'll just say, if you're stage three or four, that's sort of in the ballpark of when a lot of girls get their period. There are five stages total. The other, and I think this is a much more sensitive sign, is discharge. Yeah. So discharge is a mucousy liquid that is produced by the vagina. The vagina is a muscle. It's a long muscle, and its outlet is the vulva or the lips of what a lot of people call the vagina, but the vagina is actually the long muscle inside. And the vagina secretes this mucousy fluid to keep itself clean. It's kind of an unbelievable right. process. It's like boogers in your nose, it's, wax in your ear. That's exactly mucus right. in your eyes. And it's I, elegant, I, I just want to say, and I've, I'm actually in the middle of writing about this, it is so astounding to me that people don't talk about vaginal discharge. And it is something that happens to females from like the beginning of puberty for decades, almost every single day. And it is just unbelievable to me that is like no one talks about it. It is very funny that of all the things that we're super comfy talking about in the world today, discharge just doesn't seem to be one of them. So you and I talk a lot about normalizing that conversation. And that is one of the earliest conversations I think parents should have with their daughters, which is this stuff is stone cold normal. This You should see it. This is what it is. This is what it looks like. So it looks like yellow ish, slightly white-ish, clear mucus. It looks like, you know, you blew your nose and it's just that clear, stringy mucus. It does not look thick, white, and curdly. That is typically a yeast infection. Right. It just looks clear and sort of stringy or or mucusy. And what happens is that as the hormones are starting to cycle. And as the body is getting ready to start ovulating, your body starts to produce discharge more regularly. So young girls might have discharge once a week, twice a week, but by the time they're getting ready to have their period, usually they're having discharge every day. And usually the discharge comes every day for three, four, five, six months before they have a period. Right. And it's maybe heavier, maybe stickier, maybe right. thicker, 
That's not right. necessarily. How often is it common to have a little blood in the discharge before menstruation begins? It's possible. Sometimes the body has a, a little fake mini period. Yeah. Um, it's possible. Usually it's clear. Okay. Usually it's clear. So for those of you who have never talked to the females in your house about vaginal discharge, here's your homework assignment. It, oh, good. Homework about vaginal discharge. I know. I know. Car always gets annoyed <laughs> when I talk about homework. It's really important because the number of girls that I've had in puberty workshops, when I say to them, hey, you know that white stuff in your underwear? And it's totally normal. And Every child in the room looks around and says, oh, I thought I was the only one. I yeah. didn't know. I thought something was wrong with me, right? So vaginal discharge in girls before they get their periods is totally normal. It's good it's for you. It's actually really healthy. <laughs> yeah. And as I say to the girls, it's incredible. Your body is cleaning itself in a really what did you say? Elegant way. It's very. <laughs> I mean, my, my daughter will cringe if elegance she listens. Like, and vaginal really? discharge. We're gonna really, like Mom? we're gonna upend the paradigm of vaginal <laughs> discharge. It is now elegant. <laughs> um, so normalize that. And the other benefit of normalizing it is then you're beginning the conversation with your biological female in your home about vaginal discharge, which means you're opening the conversation to right. allow to check in and say, hey. I was doing the laundry and I noticed you had more discharge in your underwear or I noticed your laundry on the floor and I saw that you had more vaginal discharge. I'm sort of curious, like, how much discharge are you having these days? Is it thicker? Is there more of it? Are you having it every day? Right. That's the way to gauge with your child about how close they might be to the period. That's right. And if you are seeing, if you are doing the laundry and you have a quiet kid who really doesn't want to talk about it, and you're seeing discharge in the underpants every day, that's your cue. Hmm. If if we haven't packed that period bag, let's do it now. Now, are there girls who have discharge for two years, every single day for two years before getting a period? You bet. So there's no, this is why the ultimate answer to when is my child going to get her period for the first time, I don't know, because the body doesn't read a book. It doesn't follow an exact timeline. So just when you think you're prepared, you know, the body will sometimes throw you a little bit of a curveball, but that's fine. Better to be slightly overprepared than underprepared. Is pubic hair or underarm hair a sign, another sign that your child's going to get her period? No. Okay. No, Tell us more no, about that. No. This is a very important distinction. So hair pubic hair, underarm hair, is governed by hormones that come from the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands sit on top of the kidneys. Um, It's the same place where stress hormones come from, like cortisol. Adrenaline. Adrenaline. So we call it adrenarchy, which is the adrenal hormones that are creating hair growth, right? And the the adrenal hormones that, that do stimulate hair growth are actually distant cousins of testosterone. Huh. Yeah. And every body has all of these hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. They're just in different balances depending upon what your internal organs are and what your, you know, chromosomal makeup is. If you're XX or XY will largely determine your relative levels of testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. And then, um, by the way, your ovaries make estrogen and progesterone. Right. Your testicles make testosterone, but there's some conversion of those hormones in body fat. So you can actually have one hormone flip into another hormone inside the body fat. Oh, that's Um, interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. So it's called peripheral conversion. But the adrenal androgens that cause underarm hair and pubic hair have nothing to do with stimulating your ovaries to ovulate, which is the key to menstruation. So yes, most kids who are in puberty tend to develop pubic hair, but pubic hair is neither necessary nor sufficient for a period. What about weight gain? So this concept of peripheral conversion is pretty interesting because what it does is it shifts the relative balance of some of the hormones in the body, which is why some girls who carry extra weight 
may have more hormone load. And some boys who carry extra weight may have more hormone load. But the hormone load, um, it, it's its a funny thing. The, the peripheral conversion goes in one direction. So what it means, a lot of people believe that heavier girls who carry more body weight are more likely to enter puberty earlier and possibly even get a period earlier because the conversion goes towards estrogen. Okay. But for boys who carry more body weight, if the conversion goes towards estrogen, that offsets their testosterone a little bit, and they may actually have later puberty. Hmm. It's a very interesting topic, and tons of data is being collected now. Uh, and I think we'll start to see a lot more come out. And what about things like hip widening, just sort of like, as you mentioned on another episode, just sort of the curves beyond yeah. breast development? Is that a companion or is it that... It is. So, you know, one of the reasons the hips widen is to make the pelvis bigger so that at some point in life, a female can deliver a baby vaginally. So it's very much a part of reproductive maturation. I once had a midwife while she was doing an in internal exam of me say, you have a fabulous pelvis. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, thanks. It makes it really hard to buy jeans, but I'm glad while you're up in there, you are impressed with my impressed with my pelvis. You took you took that compliment very seriously when you had four children. I did. Um, I was like, all right, well, let me get it. Let me put it to work then, exactly. my fabulous pelvis. Um, but that so this is why it's, you know, hip widening is very much a part of the pubertal process, but it's later. You know, most girls do not de develop an hourglass sort of more of an hourglass shape early in puberty. They right. tend to become wider in the hips later in puberty. But that said, everyone does it differently. I've seen girls, oh my gosh, I've seen girls change so many ways. One of the best predictors is a girl who is built physiologically. You know, she's plumbed internally and looks externally like her biological mother. Mm. That girl can often predict when she's going to get her period based upon when her mother got her period. Yeah. But it doesn't always work that way. My daughter and I have different shapes. And so when she got her period two years before I got my, you know, in relative age, before I got my period, I wasn't at all surprised yeah. because we've got um, different shapes and, and it, it always feels like our plumbing is a little bit different and it made sense that sort of our hormonal cycling would be different. So if you have told your child, I got my period at 12 and a half, so you're going to get your period at 12 and a half, it's probably a good idea to circle back with your child yes. and say, you know, I thought this was the accurate information, but I've recently learned that it's not necessarily the case that a biological child female will get this, her period the same time right. as her biological mother. Yeah. What you can say is it's as good a guess as any. Right but it doesn't really predict anything. So that takes us to our getting practical about puberty. You mentioned something earlier, and I want to go back to that, which is if someone asks you, when is my kid going to get her period? You said, I don't know. I don't know. And so what is your advice to adults when their kid comes to them or when they themselves are worrying about when their kid is going to get their period? What, what do they need to like kind of hold on to in this moment? Yeah. It's not that getting your first period is a nothing burger, because it's not. But it's not the epic moment that we all sort of buy into. It's big deal. Don't get me wrong. And there are lots of cultures that celebrate it in awesome ways and and funny and bizarre ways. And you know, there there's there's a lot of there there. And we at the top of this podcast could tell our first period stories without batting an eye, mm -hmm. right? So it's it's a big moment, but it's not the be-all and end-all. The normal range for getting a period for the first time, menarche, is anywhere between 8 and 16 years old. So if you've got a whole lot of buildup for one day that's going to fall somewhere between your daughter's 8th and 16th birthdays, and by the way, there are some that get it later than that still, but the normal window is 8 to 16, you're, you're holding breath for a really long time. Yeah. So I would unpile some of the importance. And, um, you know, when she gets it, great. And if you're into celebrating it, great. And if she's into celebrating it, great. But if it feels to her like, hey, just check that box and I'm good, right, right. that's great too. 
Yeah. I mean, I think by talking about it, by preparing, by making it a conversation in our homes amongst people of all gender, it kind of takes the negative power away from it. It takes the weight, not the W-A-I-T, but the W-E-I-G-H-T away from it. And so it normalizes it. And it also helps us have information so we can prepare our kids. So it's not a shock. It's not a surprise. It's just in the normal course of things. I think I just managed to get four puns into that was, those. That was so impressive. Five sentences. That's like sort of stunning. I think I've spent too much time on you. You're rubbing <laughs> off on me. Uh, you know, I am just going to say at the end of the day, it's not the conversation about the first period. Mm -hmm. It's conversations about periods 100%. and making sure your daughter, once she gets her period, can come to you if something is irregular and she's worried about it. She's bleeding a ton and she's nervous. She's not bleeding at all. She's following her cycle on an app and she thinks her cycle is too short or too long. Again, like everything else in puberty, it's 5 million talks. <laughs> it's really, it's a long road. Yeah, and you're not off the hook after the first time because no. they're going to use different products. They're going to have different feelings. They may not have cramps at the beginning and then they get cramps. So we will do an episode totally devoted to menstrual care products. Period merch. Period merch, how to handle different challenges, all of those things. But the takeaway for today is really just to start talking about it or to raise the question with your kid about her vaginal discharge. Yeah. Um, Whether you're a mom or a dad. No matter what, it is It is totally normal. Grandparent, friend. Oh, my God. I'd love to hear my dad say vaginal discharge. Let's do an episode on that. Oh, my God. Should we bring him in here? That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. I might have to, like, actually compensate him for that <laughs> in ice cream. That would be, it would be phenomenal. And, and I think that's a perfect place to land is, boy, there are generational differences in all of this. And aren't our kids lucky to be growing up in a world where we can actually talk about it freely? Yep. That's amazing. Totally agree. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts. Or check out our Instagram, at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.